Hey there, good evening kiddos. It is February 12th evening. It's a little after 5. Got some time before I gotta get on the bus and go to work. So I figured let's read a chapter of Wilder King. We're up to chapter 5 now. Chapter 5 is called To the Tam. Let's talk about chapter 4. So chapter 4 was the Swamp Council after they had the impromptu timber bout with the beavers and the champion woodchopper. Now they're getting serious again about what they're going to do about the invading army. So let me just breeze through uh, chapter 4 real fast here. I'm going to turn my fan off there. A little less noise. Put my glasses on. So they're talking about this army that's marching into the Fichi Fen. And what's Aiden going to do? He's, he knows that King Darrow only wants him. And he's very concerned that all of the soldiers marching into the Fichi Fen don't know what they're getting into. And that they are just following orders. So, um, Dobro asks Aiden a very good question. He says, is King Darrow your enemy or not? And uh, Aiden looked at Percy, but his brother wouldn't meet his gaze. Aiden shoved Dobro back out of his face. I don't know, Dobro, he said. I don't know yet. So, very, very kind of tense moment with um, Aiden and, and Dobro there. Aiden doesn't want to call King Darrow his enemy. He's just hoping that something will happen and uh, King Darrow's heart will turn towards him and that he'll call all this off. Yeah, but Aiden says, uh, listen here, if I leave the Fichi Fen and if King Darrow knows it, he'll never send his men into the swamp. Aiden took a deep breath before he spoke the next sentence. I'm leaving the Fichi Fen right now. So everybody was sad about that. So what happened? He and uh, He and his brother took off to go try and meet the army and what did Dobro do? Yep, Dobro followed him and uh, Aiden told him to turn back he said you better go back to the swamp council tell everybody goodbye for me and what Dobro say? I don't reckon I will and I don't reckon you could make me I'm coming with you and Aiden said oh maybe you could escort as far as us, escort us as far as Big Bend. He said, sure, I'll escort you to Big Bend. Then I'm going to escort you across the river. And I'm going to escort you wherever you go in civilizer country. And me and your brothers is going to be big buddies. And your daddy's going to treat me like his own son. Your fights is my fights, Aiden. Wow, that's loyalty there. That's some awesome Fiji loyalty. Your fights is my fights. Hey... Here's a question for you, kiddos. What 
does that motto remind you of in other books that we've read? Your fights is my fights. There's a, there's a bonus question for you guys. Compare the Fichi's motto towards Aiden to another motto or slogan or saying from other books we've read. I'm sure you guys will come up with it. But there's a common theme there. So you got to tell me what that common theme is. Okay, anyways, back to the book. So, Aiden looked at Dobro inside. He was one determined Fichi. And the truest friend in the world. In truth, Aiden couldn't bear the thought of parting ways with Dobro, whatever trouble he might cause among the civilizers. Come on, then, he said. Howie! Dobro whooped, and he put one arm around Aiden's neck and the other around Percy's. Let's go get civilized. Okay, chapter five. To the Tam. Percy, Dobro, and Aiden traveled north from Scoggin Mound by flatboat, then through the treetops. Hey, one second here, kids. I gotta make sure of something. Oh yeah, we're good. Just wanted to make sure I was recording. Percy, Dobro, and Aiden traveled north from Scoggin Mound by flatboat, then through the treetops. Percy, like his brother, proved a natural tree walker, swinging and leaping with the easy rhythm of the Fichi folks. They saw neither soldiers nor signs of soldiers in the Fichi Fen, in the bordering scrub swamp, or in the pine flats beyond. However, when they made it to the River Tam around dusk on the second day of their travels, it became clear that they had nearly waited too long. On the south bank of the river, the Fichi Bank, five soldiers from King Darrow's army were guarding a huge mound of supplies buried over that day. In the failing light, Aiden could make out bundle upon bundle of steel-tipped arrows, piles of timber axes, two bales of extra uniforms, and stacks of shovels. A string of pack mules stamped and twitched nervously, seemingly aware that they didn't belong on this side of the river Tam. The civilizer guards looked skittish themselves. From their perch in the tree directly above, Percy, Dobro, and Aiden could hear every word they said. Look at them cooking fires, one of the soldiers said. Across the river, fifty fires flickered beneath the sheltering trees of last camp. They look cheerful from here, don't they? Earl, everything looks cheerful compared to this place, said one of the others. It feels like this forest is going to swallow us whole. We got no business over here. The pitch of his voice rose with that last sentence. Keep your leggings on, Hadley, said a third soldier. Things will look a whole lot better tomorrow morning when the rest of the force crosses over. Hadley wasn't satisfied. You guys know Hadley can be a boy's name too, even though we know it is a cute little girl's name. Okay, anyways. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hadley wasn't satisfied. You reckon we'll ever see tomorrow morning? I'm telling you, this place gives me the fan tots. I don't know what a fan tot is. Must be like weebie-jeebies. Gives me the fan tots. Ain't nobody ever come back from this side of the river. 
Ain't nobody ever come a thousand men at a time, Watt answered. I don't know. It might be just 995 by morning. Hush that talk, Luther, said Earl. You're as bad as Hadley. Besides, he, he added, Aiden Errolson came back alive once. Aiden Errolson, a fifth soldier said, I about had a belly full of Aiden Errolson. Weren't for Aiden Errolson, I'd be home where I belong, mowing hay for my cattle, dangling my new baby on my lap in the evenings. I ain't Aiden Errolson's, it ain't Aiden Errolson's fault you ain't home on the farm, Cordell, said Luther. That was King Darrow's idea. I don't care whose idea it was, said Hadley. We got no business this side of the river. The thousand of us ain't going to catch him, even if he is still alive, which I doubt. We couldn't catch him in the Fichi Fen, even if there was a hundred thousand of us, Cordell agreed, even if all hundred thousand of us actually wanted to catch him. What's that supposed to mean? Luther said, you don't want to catch him? Aiden Errolson can go about his business as far as I'm concerned, said Cordell. If I can't just go about, if I can just go about mine, I got hay in the field, and I got a baby needs dandling, and if King Darrell got a beef with Aiden Errolson, I wish he'd leave me out of it. Seems to me, said Earl, a fellow plans to invade my country, burn my crops, carry off my children. He deserves what he gets. King Darrow's right. We ought to be taking the fight to him before he overruns all civilization with a crowd of stinking Feechies. Feechies, Watt scoffed. Feechies, this ain't play nursery, Earl. Why are you telling nursery stories? What? asked Earl. You don't believe the Feechee fence full of Feechees? Watt snorted. Only thing full of Feechees is the minds of babies and half-wits. Feechees. It's all hokey-pokey. It's all oogie-boogie. Dobro couldn't possibly resist such an invitation. He sailed from his perch in the tree and landed on the bale of uniforms where Watt was sitting. He flipped over Watt's head and landed on the ground in the middle of the soldiers. Hokey pokey, he yelled. Oogie boogie. He whirled around the civilizers like a dust devil, his arms gyrating, his long hair flapping behind him, roaring and yodeling. Then he jumped on Watt's back and rode the poor civilizer until he tripped over a cypress knee and planted himself in the mud. The rest of the soldiers scattered into Tamside Forest. Aiden and Percy, meanwhile, scrambled down the tree and climbed down to the riverbank into a little rowboat that floated in the eddy. In a matter of seconds, Dobro sailed from the bank and into the boat in a single cat-like leap. Percy nearly had the mooring rope loose when Aiden yelled, Wait! and scrambled up the root tangle and disappeared over the bank again. He returned in no time and jumped back into the boat. Here, he said, handing each of his companions a blue tunic he pulled from the uniform bale. We might need these. Percy rode the boat a quarter league downstream, well beyond the last of the civilizer's dying cooking fires. 
before rowing across to the north side, where they beached their craft, craft on a sandbar. Home again, home again, Percy said softly. He seemed genuinely, genuinely relieved to be back on the civilizer side of the river, in spite of the danger. Aiden's feelings weren't so straightforward. He was born and bred in civilizer country. He had spent 15 of his 18 years there, most of them happy. But the Fiji Fen had begun to feel like home. It certainly felt like sanctuary. Dobro, of course, had been to the civilizer side of the river before, but he had always stayed in the forests and swamps. Soon, he would get his first taste of actual civilization. Aiden stood in the river and squatted to wet himself all over. He grabbed a handful of sand and scoured his bare chest, back and legs, and face. A cloud of gray swamp mud, a Fiji's protective coating against bugs and sunburn, spread into the water around him and drifted downstream towards the eastern ocean. Come on, Dobro, Aiden said. It's time for you to get cleaned up. Dobro took a step back, away from the water. I don't believe I will, he said. I done made it 18 years without getting bathified, and I don't reckon I'll start now. Come on, Dobro, Aiden repeated. You can't get civilized if you're covered in mud. How's that civilized? Dobro asked, to walk around all pink and shiny, like a boiled crawfish. No, I'd sooner walk around naked. Percy joined in. How do you figure to get a civilizer girl to marry you if you smell like swamp rot and look like a lizard? Dobro crossed his arms and looked just over Percy's head with an air of exaggerated dignity. Any gal don't love me for my own self, she ain't worthy of me. Aiden's tone betrayed his exasperation. Dobro, we don't have many hours before sunup. The camp will be waking soon, and then they'll start crossing the river into Fiji country. There's, there's the rowboat. You're welcome to it if you want to go home. But if you want to come with us, get over here and let me wash you off. Dobro walked away toward the water holding his head down and looking at Aiden through his eyebrows. He put one toe in the water, testing it. This, the same Dobro who thought nothing of diving into the black, alligator-infested waters of the Fiji Fen in pursuit of a muskrat. Oh, he moaned, it's wet. Growing impatient, Aiden grabbed Dobro by the arm and dunked him in the water. Help, Dobro spluttered flailing the water to a froth. He's drowning me! When Aiden began scouring Dobro's muddy back with sand, the Fiji wailed like a wounded animal. Oh, oh, he's skinning me alive. I'm ruined. Oh, leave me a little skin, please, you cannibal, you monster. Shh, Aiden hissed. If you don't get quiet, a thousand civilizers are going to be down here watching you bathe. 995, Percy corrected. Dobro finally got quiet. Dripping and sulking, he had the look of a cat forced to submit to a bath at the hands of a child. Aiden finished the job in short order. 
Dobro, it turned out, was shocking, shockingly white under all that mud. His skin had never been exposed directly to the sun after all. He looked like a, he looked like a second moon, like a creature made to be camouflaged on a sandbar. Aiden wondered if he would ever get used to a Dobro who wasn't gray-skinned. Dobro, for his part, looked mournfully at his arms and legs as if they were the limbs of a foreigner. When baths were finished, Aiden fetched his side pouch from the sandbar and pulled out his prized possession, the steel hunting knife he had hidden there three years earlier. Out of respect for the Fiji's aversion to cold, shiny implements and weapons, he had never used it in the swamp. He had pulled it out only to clean it and sharpen it every month or so. But now that he was back on the civilizer side of the river, he was glad to see it again. He handed the knife to Percy and pointed to the hair that draped down the back of his own neck. Cut it off, Percy, he said. Make it look like civilizer hair. Dobro sobbed quietly while Percy performed the same operation on his hair. His mane, as he features like to call it. When the Erolsons weren't looking, Dobro picked up a matted hank of his hair and put it in his side pouch, a memento of the life he had left behind. The three travelers all donned blue army tunics. Aiden and Dobro wore theirs over their snakeskin kilts. Only Percy's disguise was halfway convincing, since Aiden and Dobro had neither leggings nor boots. Even by moonlight, it was clear Dobro wouldn't pass for a civilizer in the daylight. But he was a little less featureified, and for the time being, that would have to do. Leaving the sandbar, Percy, Aiden, and Dobro entered the forest and tree-walked upstream, with the river on their left. Some thirty feet above the ground, they traversed last camp, where 995 soldiers slept their last few hours before stepping off the edge of civilization and into the unknown. Or so they thought. The cooking fires had all burned to ashes, and from such a height, Aiden, Dobro, and Percy could see... That was my alarm. And from... Such a height, Aiden, Dobro, and Percy could see very little. But as they passed over the center of last camp, Aiden saw the least glimmer of gold embroidery catch the moonlight. He knew it could only be the battle standard of King Darrow himself, the golden boar under which King Darrow led his troops. It almost made Aiden dizzy to think of his king down there, so far below him, and dreaming of what? Was he dreaming of Aiden's destruction? The three traveler, travelers hurried across the treetops, in only a few minutes coming to the overland trail that led to the river road. Alighting on the ground, they agreed to hide in the forest and sleep until daylight. They would need to be as rested as their and as clear they would need to be as rested and as clear headed as possible when the army awoke in a couple of hours. 
Both Percy and Dobro were breathing heavy, heavily and slowly, mere seconds after lying on the moss bed they had found. But Aidan couldn't sleep for thinking about the king, who slept just a few hundred yards away. He quietly arose and shinnied up a nearby tree. He swung and leapt from limb to limb until he was back at the center of last camp. He slunk to the lowest branch of the tree under which King Darrow slept. He could hear his king snoring. Sitting on that limb, Aidan thought, Aidan thought over what Dobro had said earlier. I don't think you know what an enemy is. It was time he decided. Was King Darrow his enemy, or wasn't he? The morning star was rising. The camp would probably be up and stirring in half an hour, maybe even less. Aidan made his decision. He pulled the hunting knife out of his side pouch, clenched the blade in his teeth pirate fashion, and descended as stealthily as a panther toward the sleeping king. And that's the end of chapter five, kiddos. Chapter six is called Last Camp, and I gotta go to work. I love you guys very much. It's Friday. I've got five more days till I come home and see you. Um, Gideon, congratulations on your big win today. Fourth grade spelling bee. That is really, really, really cool. And I'm sure you had fun too. I'm sure there was excitement and anticipation and fun and then just that feeling when it's all done and you've spelled all your words right. That's such a cool feeling. I'm really happy for you, son. That's, that's great. I know you worked hard and you reviewed your words. And also, don't forget, you just got to you gotta thank God and give Him all the glory for, for giving you a mind that, that can store all those spelling words in there. So, make sure you, you, give God, all the glory for that part. So, anyways, and and if you do that, if you give Him the glory, He'll keep those victories, rolling your way. I know He will. Okay. Have a good night or a good day, kids, whenever you're listening to this. Um, say your prayers. Thank God for how good He is and all the good things He gives you. And uh, tell Mommy you love her. Have a good night. Love you.